Welcome to The Real Photo Show. My guest today is Joseph Lawton. Uh, Joe and I will talk about his life in photography and his long tenure teaching photography at Fordham University. His current show, Being In There, is now up at Aurelia Gallery in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I've linked to the show because you can also view it online. Joe also makes a brief mention of his Instagram account, uh, but we failed to mention uh, how to get to his Instagram account. So that is also linked in the show notes. Uh, it's Joe Lawton underscore photography. So let me read a little bit from Joe's bio. Joseph Lawton has taught photography at Fordham University for over 35 years and served as the director of the visual arts department at Fordham, as well as Hunter College, Pratt Institute, and the School of Visual Arts. The recipient of the Lightworks and the Southeast Center for Photography grants, his work has been published in the New York Times and in Life and Time magazines and is included in numerous public and private collections, including Biblioteca Nacional. Exhibitions include PS1, Canton Museum, and OK Harris Gallery. A catalog of his photographs from the New York State Fair is available through Lightwork, Syracuse University, and his recent book, Plain Sight, was published by Wallbot Press. And that book is out of print and, I think, nearly impossible to find. Uh, so we have a, a fantastic conversation. Joe really gets into his love of travel, which is the basis of the show at Aurelia Gallery. And of course, we talk a bit about teaching. Uh, so uh, I'm going to keep this a little short, although I do have to remind you that The Real Photo Show is sponsored by the Charcoal Book Club, a monthly membership and a fantastic way to add to your collection or start your collection. Uh, the latest book that I received is Haddon Hall by Naomi Harris. Uh, and this is from Naomi Harris. I moved into Haddon Hall to embed myself with a hotel's residence, becoming their surrogate granddaughter. Equipped with a 35mm camera and slide film, I photographed my surrogate Bubba's and Zetas lounging by the pool, doing exercises and kibitzing on the veranda. I joined them for bingo, took them grocery shopping, and to the beauty parlors. These people were my friends. Uh, and I will present that book uh, through Instagram later on. Oh, and before I forget to mention, Third Thursdays is back at the JKC Gallery. Visit jkcgallery.online to check it out. Uh, all right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. Thanks for joining me. Good morning, Michael. It's nice to see you, even if it is on a computer screen. <laughs> yes, but, I know, uh, as usual. It's very nice to talk and uh, say hello. Yeah, and uh, let's give a little shout out to uh, Anibal Peyawu, who has been so generous in setting this up <laughs> for you. Anibal has been fantastic. He yeah. did spent the time to set this up, and we'll be on call, let's say, if anything should go wrong. Oh, so, good. <laughs> many thanks to Anibal. Yeah. So... Let's uh, let's let the audience know that this is not the first time we've tried this. <laughs> yeah, Michael, it's uh, <laughs> it's a very good point. One, I want to say you're nothing but persistent. You did mention, <laughs> would you like to do this? I was rather evasive for probably longer period than I can remember. Yeah, yeah. When we finally did sit down to do it. Computer glitch caused it to be uh, yes. no recording. I so, had uh, uh, some technical so, difficulties on my end. Yeah, there are difficulties and so be it. And I think it's ironic and even funny, given my own sort of Luddite view of a computer. That <laughs> uh, I was but, the one who messed up. <laughs> well, minor. It really wasn't your fault. It was mutual and that's the way it goes. But I think it was 
appropriate that uh, only helps substantiate some of my uh, views yeah. about using the computer. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know what? This will be fun. We'll try it again. For those yeah. of you listening, thank you for your patience. And <laughs> I'll t- mention that I've got a cup of water. I've had an espresso. Oh, and perfect. I'll try and complete sentences and complete thoughts. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, you know, actually, I, I think I've known you for, I don't probably... Um, I don't know, 1989, 1990. That is absolutely true. I'm pretty sure for as long as I've known you, you've been at Fordham. Is that right? Well, you're bringing up an interesting issue. (laughs) Only a few weeks ago, I was up in Syracuse to celebrate my mother-in-law's 100th birthday. That's incredible. The conclusion of that weekend, which was fantastic, came down to receive a letter from Fordham University. Official stationery, open it up, signed by the president of the university, Father McShane, someone I like quite a bit. Anyway, it was a letter announcing, thank you for your 40 years of service. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, was, I was right. That's for sure. Uh, you were right. And I, I, I still have not replied. I'm in a bit of disbelief <laughs> because uh, I, do, well, I just have to say, how did that 40 years go by so quick? I know. Yeah. I'm now of that age where people talk, peers, about retiring, which I have no intent at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think the real answer, are you going to retire, is... I think I still need to get a job. I've never really figured this out as a, a real job. The paychecks reflect that and the right. hours reflect that. So it's it's a day activity, let's call well, it. Well, congratulations. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's been fast. Yeah. And I would say largely enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I was, well, before Fordham, I did teach at School of Visual Arts. I taught at Pratt, taught at Hunter, all these places that were treated me absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Fordham, in the end, is where I became full-time and therefore had to let go of the others. But the university and our art department has been nothing but supportive. And I certainly know enough stories of other schools where that isn't always the case. So I have high compliments to everyone at Fordham, my peers, yeah. the people above me. It's It's been a fantastic place to work. And nice enough, it's located in midtown Manhattan. I know. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're on some of the best real estate there. <laughs> We're spoiled. That's all I got to say. <laughs> That's true. And boy, I must have just missed you because I started the School of Visual Arts in 1986. You did. Well, it's very interesting. Just yesterday, talking to Nebo, we had lunch together and we realized I was teaching on one side of the wall. Lois Connor was teaching a class on the other side of the wall and Anibo was in it. <laughs> oh, oh, so we, you were so you were still doing some part-time work at SVA at that yes. point. Oh, I, still. Yeah, very much. Because yes. when Anibo had Lois, by the way, Lois Connor, so did yep. I. Oh, then you were, yeah. hello. I was on the other side of the wall. So between Lois and I, we used to bang on the wall to make points. So that was a way of communicating to each other before having maybe lunch later. Yeah. So, I mean, let, we're we're talking about the past a little bit. Why don't we go yeah. back a little further? Sure. Or is it further? I always get those wrong. I think it's further when it's related to time. Mm-hmm. Well done. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. So uh, how did you get into all of this? Uh, boy, we're going to roll back the reel to long time ago, now that we've already talked about 40 years here at Fordham, <laughs> I would have to say in high school, I had the opportunity of picking up a camera. It was a Petrie 7S, a rangefinder camera that I purchased from a friend. Did you say Petrie? Was that a Russian camera? No, Petrie. I, I'm not sure who made the camera. Oh. It was a wonderful little camera, very simple, great lens. And mm. with that, it was my opportunity to look at the world and what the world at that time consisted of the antics of my high school friends, some of which mm, you might not want to talk about, but <laughs> and, and <laughs> fun pictures, let's say, of uh, some trips to look at schools, et cetera, et cetera. And 
drinking this and that and having a good time. <laughs> so uh, we won't go into all the details. As one but does anyway, in high school, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was high school. Anyway, from there, I went out to Colorado to go to school. And then uh, the subject became under the influence of outdoor magazines, Backpacker, National Geographic, various things. I was heavily involved in climbing, winter camping, cross-country skiing, et cetera. So they were nature pictures is the best way to say them. You know, what looked pretty, what dramatic thing I was doing on the side of a mountain, et cetera. Pictures I still love to look at. Uh, I don't necessarily make them or even do much of those activities, but that was the original interest. And out of nowhere, I, I decided to take a photo class and said, why not? I was at that point, I would say a rather indifferent student. Class meant an obligation, not an enthusiasm. And it was up in the University of Colorado. The teacher was Gary Metz. And suddenly I got introduced to pictures that weren't in color. They were black and white. You had to work in the dark room. And there were photographers like Lee Friedlander, Gary Winogrand, Walker Evans, and Ache, and Austin. Boom, the interest exploded, hmm. just exploded. Mm -hmm. And I want to go back even further. And I realized finally, after so many years of being a good middle-class kid, going to school, <laughs> you know, from grammar school to high school and college, I found a niche. I found school was not just something you had to do or you should do, but something I looked forward to. And that was the visual arts department. And I think back in my early days in grammar school, I went to a school, Catholic school. There was 50 of us in the grade. Uh -huh. One nun taught all subjects up front. And I can regularly remember being uh, Mr. Lawton. The blackboard is not out the window. You stop looking out the window and look toward the blackboard. Wow, yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that complaint was frequently mentioned. And uh, I guess I was looking out the window a lot. But what's been really enjoyable, it's been through a series of crazy bends in the road, turns, et cetera. I found a way to look out the window and make a modest but interesting living. So mm. I've been very fortunate. So high school then became college. I did end up finishing up a degree in writing and journalism, but I have a room that was divided sort of down the middle. On one side was a makeshift darkroom. The other was my select uh, typewriter. And like a peasant, I voted with my feet. I would always <laughs> go to the darkroom side. I just absolutely was enamored by it. That was it. I couldn't get yeah. enough of being in the dark room, printing and looking at pictures. The yeah. window became something I could make and look at. That's it. So you, you started in journalism. I know it. Yes. University of Colorado. And I often get students who maybe started out in new media or started hmm. out in communication because when they're talking to their parents about going to college, they, oh they, they tend to go to the programs that sound like there's a career at the end of them. <laughs> uh, Was that funny. your experience? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> very much so. Uh, and I could break down the chances of a student entering a college with a full blessing of their parents going, yes, we want you to major in art. That will be exciting <laughs> and interesting. I think in the back of their mind, that may be in their mind, but they're a little concerned that that child will always be on a pull-out couch and living mm -hmm. at home. So here's what I tell, and this happens at the fairs when you know there's recruiting going on or tours going through the school. I, I tell students that you have to respect the parents' concern. They want you to have the life they likely had and hope you will have. They want you to make a living and be independent. And that's right. Equally, I tell the parents, listen, if you kind of squash the child's interests or dream, okay, it may work for a short period, but welcome to the midlife crisis coming down the line. 
And it's going to happen. So, and also look at art in New York City alone is a billion dollar business, a billion dollar business. Now that is obviously more the commercial end than the fine right. art, but the fine art gets very close to that. There is a lot of Wall Street money in the fine arts as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so to say to a child, you can't fit into that scheme is I think in the end a concern, but it's not as supportive as you should be toward that child. And I'd say, give them a chance. The bailout options are all over the place. Mm -hmm. Michael, there's very interesting statistics. You know this from teaching. When you look at intro classes, there's quite a few students in it. By the time you get to an upper level class, that pyramid has shrunk considerably. Mm -hmm. Now take a window going from undergraduate to graduate, a few years in between, doing something in the real world, you decide to go to graduate school. Not different than my own experience. Same here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. They now know and have known for some time the number of people with an MFA, regardless of the medium, actually still practicing what they set out to do, something like three, per three years after graduation with that MFA, something like less than 5% are still doing it. Right. Okay. So why is that? It better be meaningful and important in order to sustain that. And if it is meaningful and important to you and your passion, you'll get over the hurdles. You'll figure it out. Not that complicated. I took 10 years between undergrad and grad. Makes sense. I worked, did a lot of different jobs, but most of the time I was in a science stock photo agency, you know, <laughs> okay. doing, uh, doing actually work that I really liked because you know, I started out as an engineer at Lehigh. And then I uh, transferred to SVA because I was spending all my time photographing mm -hmm. at Lehigh. Uh, and I knew that in high school. In fact, I had a, a math teacher in high school who told me, engineers are boring, stay with photography. <laughs> wow, good advice. <laughs> yes. But, um, you know, I have a funny connection to, to Fordham in that way. My cousin, uh, James Keenan, is a Jesuit priest mm -hmm. uh, who's now BC, but he was at Fordham for many, many years, along with many other Jesuits who teach at Fordham. And... Uh, He's the one that my aunt, I was living with my aunt and uncle at the time when I decided to transfer uh, to SVA. Which I'm sure your family loves. Well, yes, you know, <laughs> Irish Catholic family, oh. police family. Mm. Yeah, uh, no, no, not good. <laughs> and so they, they were very supportive, though, but they were worried, like you said, uh, you know, and they actually asked my cousin because he was the one who, he had lots of degrees and he was, you know, knowledge of art and everything else, you know, as, as a, a priest might have studying in Rome and everything. And. And so they turned to him because, you know, he had the most experience to turn to. And, and he's been my biggest supporter ever since. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. No, it takes a, it, it takes someone who is respected with two feet on the ground saying it's not a fantasy. It can be a reality. Let the person pursue their dream. Why be the one to be the governor and edit out that dream right from the beginning? Mm -hmm. it, excuse me, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I'm the same as you. I was undergraduate. Then I took off for a year and hitchhiked around South America to Mexico, Brazil. I can all name the countries mm. for a long period of time. Then I returned to New York for no other logic than I wanted. After being in school in Colorado, I wanted a big city experience. Mm. And not being skilled, I spent a year driving a cab, a little over a year. Then I was a building super for four years, of which during that four-year period, two of them, I was going up to graduate school. And so I think, you know, you just have to... If there's advice to someone pursuing this idea of photography, it's take it one step at a time. Yeah. Why are you looking? I think if you get nervous about a long term, it, it can it can kill ambitions rather quickly. And I t often tell students, and I'm sounds a little facetious, but I mean this: when you're young, take advantage of your stupidity. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful thing you have. It's a great trait. You're fearless. Mm -hmm. What do you know about any kind of illness, death, etc.? You just 
go for it. And, and that, yeah, and no regrets. The ability to to live off modest means because you're you don't have a family typically, oh, and you know, yeah, big difference there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. And you don't have to live in New York. You don't. You know, no. I mean, it's great to be maybe close to a big city, but you don't have to actually live in the big city. In no. fact, it's. I think it used to be more like that. You know, back when after I graduated SVA, like you had to stay stick around for jobs. We weren't thinking galleries; we were thinking jobs. Like if you wanted no, work, you stuck around. Galleries. You stuck around New York or uh, L.A. or uh, Chicago. No, that's where my love of traveling came in. Again, I, during my college year, I took time off to go over to Ireland. Then I was going to cross country ski through Norway. Don't even ask me about that. <laughs> ended up not liking cold weather and traveling south, and ended up in North Africa, et cetera, et cetera. Again, using a camera. Mm. You know, and one, there's that thing, taking advantage of your stupidity, go for it. You know, why well, regret, you know, eat a PF, I regret nothing. You know, it's just the way it is. Uh, but I think the bigger regret and the bigger lament is, and I sort of learned this when I was out in Colorado, to get back to Colorado, I would hitchhike back and forth to my home in Syracuse. And often I would get picked up by truck drivers. And one of the things are salespeople, never sort of 70s hippies, if you will. It was always <laughs> someone that was considered the redneck, if mm -hmm. you will. In uh, one of the discussions over and over, because in both cases, I was asked to just keep talking to keep them awake. Oh, really? The lines, always, oh, the wow. truck drivers in particular, I, they were taking certain products to keep awake and just keep talking mm -hmm. so I don't go off the road. But all of them, especially those in sales where, boy, I wish it was your age and do things over, you know, the entrapment that came with whatever mistakes are made or mm. turns in the road that the individual took sort of made them look back at a life that really wasn't panning out to be what they wanted. And I was this almost like a confessional booth, anonymous soul. Oh, so out yeah. yeah. So they could unload and everything from complaints about the family to the husband or wife or my job, et cetera. And so, it really was anonymous because they knew they'd probably never see you again. At this yeah. corner, when that exit yep. came, the door opened. Good luck. Never see you oh, again. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. You know, I you reminded me because I know because we did try this one before and you did tell the story. Your hitchhike out to Colorado wasn't necessarily by choice, right? <laughs> <laughs> Family tradition. Uh, <laughs> okay. This is also going back to where you have tours going through, mm -hmm. students looking at schools, et cetera. And the sort of give and take, the parent wanting certain schools, the, the, the student wanting something else, perhaps. I came from a rather conservative Catholic family, and it was to go to a school here in the East, likely a Niagara, St. Bonaventure, as you can name them. Anyway, I had no interest in doing that. And I wanted to go out West. And going out West, my family did not travel. I wanted to go to school in Colorado for less than academic reasons. It mm -hmm. really had to do with skiing. <laughs> and my parents fought it for a while. And then with great courage, they backed it, said, all right. Well, the interesting part is my dad in his youth hitchhiked to Niagara, the school he attended. Well, when it came time for me as a freshman <laughs> to go to school at good old, uh, I think I was 17 at the time, they kept the family tradition alive. They drove me out to Weedsport, the throughway, told me to hold my sign that said West straight, right. wished me luck and said, when you get to Colorado, give a call. And like a good, dutiful son, uh, I forgot to call right away. And it's, <laughs> I sent some nerves, but I, I was off and running at that point. That, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. No, it was great. It was that I hitchhiked back and forth a lot. I think today mm. that would be much harder to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I think people would look at you like, why don't you have and families? Well, like I think people would them. look people look at hitchhikers and think, will they kill me or will they be okay for the most part? <laughs> I think they people listen to the local news too much. Yes, no, no, yeah. no. It's, yeah. There's all, lots, all kinds of irrational fears. No, it, that's yeah. the same thing with photographing kids. Oh, you're gonna do? Oh my god, right. what are you gonna do with that picture? What are you gonna do with my child? Right, you're gonna right. Take my child. What am I gonna take your child? I'm gonna feed your child. <laughs> you know, it's like forget <laughs> it. No, there are there are a lot of irrational fears right now. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But um, just to, to stay on our, our track a little yeah. bit, you you mentioned grad school, of course, and you went to Yale for grad school. Right? I did. Yeah. And you said you were a super while going to Yale? Yale came about not through any real deep research. When I was at the University of Colorado, Todd Papa George was a guest, I guess, visiting artist for, I think he came for a month. Oh, okay. there, was a, there was an exhibition, okay, and he gave a talk. The exhibition was in very humble quarters, in the dark room, and hmm. it was a big sort of white cabinet where you could see a bunch of pictures. Well, anyway, seeing those, I was floored by the the quality of the image, their the subject, the understated subtleties in it. It just absolutely was a revelation to me. Later, I attended his lecture, and Robert Heineken was there a couple of weeks before, and he represented the perfect. California artists. He used every mm-hmm. slang, hip word, had his own following, and et cetera, et cetera. Todd uh, looked more like an English professor, <laughs> <laughs> but his talk was brilliant. And I was completely enamored, not only by the content of the talk, but the word choices and the specificity, et cetera. And that was sort of coming out of my journalism training, I suppose. Mm. So years later, when I was a super, I, <laughs> to make a long story short, almost blew up the boiler. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it was around Christmas time and the oh, boiler wow. caught on fire. And uh, let's just say on 84th Street, that could have been a big calamity. Oh, wow. At that point, I realized maybe this is not my line of work, even though it provided a lot of free time, amount of salary, and a place to go to bed hmm. that I needed to apply to graduate school. Todd was the only school I thought of was Yale because of Todd. Oh, right. right. And, and applied and lucky enough and fortunate enough was accepted. And at that point I was going to leave my job, move up to New Haven, but the money and my situation financially just wasn't quite as feasible as I thought. Yeah, I was very generous in giving me a half scholarship. And so I said, okay, how am I going to figure this out? Well, I opted to keep my super job. Job as a super, better explained. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a super job. It wasn't quite that, right? <laughs> yeah. And commuted up to New Haven, and I was only there Monday and Tuesday. And I slept oh, on wow. someone's floor on Monday night. Tuesday night was the big crit, and then come back. And in the long run, there's was pros and cons about that. Pro was it wasn't a big deal to go. I went to the art department at Yale. I really wasn't a greater part of the Yale University. Mm-hmm. I went up, I came back, and in doing so, it kept everything in its sort of place. It wasn't the be-all, end-all. It was a place to learn, which I liked. I studied with Richard Benson, who was Frank Golke. I can go through mm-hmm. Ben Lifson, all the names, Todd. These are just really smart people, generous with their time, and it was an extraordinary experience. So it, it was a mistake in the sense I didn't get to fully utilize the mm-hmm. assets that Yale has, okay? But the good part was there was no disruption in my life. I stayed in New York and continued on. So after graduate graduation, I wasn't up in New Haven going, now what? Yeah. I was more like, I hope the boiler's still running. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so things that Todd would say, which often could be intimidating to fellow students, were meaningful to me, but they were put in a place where I had other worries on the back of my mind that were sitting two hours south of me in New York. <laughs> yeah. 
you mentioned then also that you hitchhiked your way. Was it through South America that you said? Correct. Yeah. And was that experience part of being a photographer? Were you photographing? What was that? Your, did you think that's what you should be doing? You know, the, the urge and the restless to travel. Mm. You know, I, I, I think travels for at least me or my type of photography is like the studio. I'm still looking out the window. I can't mm-hmm. help it. All right. So at graduation at that time, I was rather at a modest income from working construction in the summer. I had a wonderful work study job helping the telecommunication coordinator, which is kind of ironic knowing <laughs> my abilities, <laughs> computers, et cetera. <laughs> anyway, I, at graduation was offered a wonderful job in Boulder. I could stay on. I love the community. I still like skin and all that. It. <laughs> anyway, I said, no, I, I, I was restless. I was in a bad auto accident that year, my senior year, where I was riding with friends. We got broadsided by a truck. I oh, broke wow. some ribs, punctured a lung, got a small, I mean, really small, modest settlement for my pain and suffering. Wow. And I said, well, that was like my first grand, if you will. It was like, man, that's some money. And why do I want to stay put? So the restless urge took over and much to the chagrin of my family, once again, uh, <laughs> <You were off. laughs> I was this time hitchhiking to wherever. So it was a mixture. I, I flew down to Colombia and went down through Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, Brazil, back up through the Amazon and all the way back up, eventually crossing back from Texas into the United States with a little less than $20. Hmm. So it was, it was quite a trip. Now there was pros and cons. You asked, was I photographing? Yes. And I almost could describe some of the photographs made. I was so excited with my bags of film. I had a Siciliano bought from Tom Roma. <laughs> I had a Leica in my hand and that gave me something to do every day. I had an obligation. And an application might not do it. I had an enthusiastic thing to do every day. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. Go make pictures on a little street on La Paz or on a boat going down, you know, some tributary in the Amazon, et cetera. It was phenomenal. And I won't bore you or the listeners with all the little adventures that related to that. But the bad part came in Brazil, in the city of Salvador. I was in a travel sort of government travel agency, turned my back for maybe five minutes talking to someone and I had two bags loaded with film and cameras oh. and someone helped themselves and boom, all that wow. went down the drain. No, this was, I was basically a gutted human being for a couple of days just walking around. Mm. And I, again, will tell you what pictures went down the drain, but like, you know, this, the fish that got away is always bigger. So maybe it wasn't, <laughs> maybe it wasn't much to begin with. The, the light, the good part was at that time, Carnival was starting up. I was in the city of Salvador that has the trio electricals and the music. Mm. And I sort of put things in place. I mean, these are plenty of people with not all that much going as far as food and shelter. And they're out dancing in the street. And here I am, you know, umpteen miles away from home. You can call it a vacation, if you will, traveling. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm lamenting my poor fortune in life. So I sort of like, sort of almost say to talk to myself like, Shut up and get going. And, and, and uh, long story short, I had a great time during Carnival. I won't go into all those details. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. And then worked my way back up the Amazon to Colombia, crossed into Colombia on a footpath from Brazil, and then worked my way back up. Now, the interesting part is, one, is still wonderful to travel, but minus a camera, it wasn't quite the same window anymore. It didn't give you – there's something wonderful about 
seeing and having some way of recording that scene. You know, you it's not just the urge to share. It's not the thought of a future gallery, future book. All those thoughts were never in my mind at the time and barely crossed my mind even now. But there's something about putting a frame around the world and going click and hearing that little click and going, that was good. I think I got it. So it's like someone who's a writer, you you need to write. I needed to take pictures. So to this day, just right next to me, right outside now is the little, I like is still here. Mm -hmm. Will I use it today? Maybe, maybe not. But I want to have that tool to go, hey, that's interesting. Click. I would like first, you know, I think Gary Winogrand summed it up beautifully when he was asked by some art historians. Gary, why do you photograph them? They're waiting for some deep worded answer, which certainly showed they didn't know anything about Gary. No. <laughs> yeah. And he looked at it and said, to see what things look like in photographs. Yes. And also their line, that's really one you hear all that that Gary used, but it comes from Frost. You know, what is, there's nothing more mysterious than a fact clearly described. Well, you combine those two and it's the pleasure of sight. Mm-hmm. And the pleasure of sight is magnified when you try and organize that's what you're looking at. That's not random going, Oh, those are pretty mountains. You're going, I want to make my view of those mountains, you know, put my stamp on it. So without that task, I really did turn out to be a, a vacationer. And in short order, also because of funds, I then was in, uh, marching my way back up to what that way turned out to be Denver, because that's where I had friends and basically I was running out of money. But that trip lasted just, I, I forget the time now, you, it's gone about nine months, eight, nine months. I can't remember truthfully the number, right. but it was, it was fantastic. So then you have your experience at Yale. Yes. What was the work you were doing while you were there? It's, it was really New York. Because again, I was up there Monday and Tuesday. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I have to say, I don't think during my two years at Yale, I even walked across the campus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I went in one building, out, went to the Beinecke, uh, the museum a little bit, but I had very little to do in New Haven and didn't really use it as a subject. Mm-hmm. My time in New Haven was very precise with certain obligations of both, you know, working in the darkroom and also class, et cetera. It was a, all around a great experience. So my subject was New York City, as it is today in many ways. That's where I was living, up on 84th Street, where the building was. So when I got back, I was back out on the streets. Some of my favorite places were 9th Avenue, 8th Avenue, where there was a little more of an organic grungier New York, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was it. And then what happened, it was my senior year, senior, whatever, second year, mm-hmm. getting toured about midway through, and I was getting restless. I was lots of pressure from the building, a lot of pressure from, and I, I won't say a photo or writer's block, but I just was getting restless. So the travel urge to look out the window struck up again, and I did a bit of an exaggeration, said some cameras were taken and I needed some funds I will pay back. The money was given to me very generously by Yale from the secretary, who was a wonderful person. And they took that money. Spring break was there. And I flew off to Mexico. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me the logic of this. After <laughs> I went to Mexico. In Mexico, I had a conversation with someone who was in desperate need. He had a little company called Media International. The Pope was coming to Guatemala. The camera mm. person that he was going to use wasn't showing up, blah, blah, blah. Would I be interested in flying to Guatemala City to help film the arrival of the Pope and, and his travel? And I said, yeah, why not? Yeah. So then I went off to Guatemala, and from there, the subject of Central and South America started to be, was the, my interest was perked. Right. I loved it. 
and yeah. it's still there. After Yale, did you did you start teaching right away? Or it's actually that's how the forty years comes up. I don't need to look at the date on that. Right, I'm tr- I was trying to do a little math in my head. Like, when, <laughs> when did you start? Because that would be yeah. eighty two. I go, well, I okay, I graduated to date me uh, in eighty three. Okay, mm-hmm. from Yale, I taught a class here at Fordham sort of co-taught, and it was with Leo Rubenfein, oh. a photographer, and Leo's the one, along with Bill Collin, two great people who hired me. Okay. All right. Anyway, it was intro to photography. He had some other obligations, so the idea of splitting it and helping in the darkroom, et cetera, make full sense, and then I needed the money, and it seemed to have, let's give it a try. Well, just to give you an idea how much the photo world has changed, and through this intro to photography, first week, here's how you load film, here's what an ASA is, blah, mm. blah, blah, and your guest will be Helen Levitt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. here's how the second week. Okay, here's how we're going to make a contact sheet, make prints, et cetera, et cetera, use filters, you name it, and your guest is going to be Gary Winogrand. <laughs> <laughs> Third week of this month-long <laughs> class, intermission or intercession, uh, you know, this is how we're going to make a bigger print. Maybe we're, at that time using fiber paper, we went on to some more special techniques, changing filters, et cetera. And your guests at the end of the week, and we always had a guest at the end of the week, will be Louis Four. So uh, <laughs> it, it was a wild world. Completely today, not even Mm-hmm. inflated sense of egos, money, and all of it really changed the game altogether. Hmm. The medium of photography, it's our place at the university was like, what is it? Number one, you know, although where we certainly have moved up both in terms of space, mm-hmm. budget, faculty, because visual literacy today is respected and understood as very important, especially right. with everything being done on the computer. And that would be true for you as well. But back then, photography in the academic world was, mm, okay, what is it? And I would say in general, it wasn't the commodity, the big, you know, the art world kind of didn't care for it either. There's at that time, Wittgen, like, like gallery, there weren't many galleries, there weren't careers right, in galleries, right. you know, it wasn't marketable. It was a slightly marketable commodity, but very little. Now today, it's it's very much, no one called it the darling of the art world, but it's certainly up there. Oh, and yeah. Every, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's a photographer. And, and I would have to say today, printing is design. You know, right now, I feel there's a little bit of a generalization and not true for all photographers, but I think there's an awful lot of big prints attached to small ideas. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's for market reasons. Big prints sell for they, much more yes, money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It can. And to commercial places like, businesses that could buy them and mm-hmm. say a living room so good or bad the good thing is photography is much more democratic right you know you, you don't need right. a dark room there are more outlets self-publishing has become a norm that yes not self-publishing and small publishing yeah oh yeah, yeah. great yeah you know, so there you know right now we're probably been talking for half hours probably a book came out somewhere that's right <laughs> yes, absolutely <laughs> no, there's one one an yeah. hour uh, actually but but that's a, actually a good segue because uh I want to talk more about your work and mm-hmm. and you had uh, two books. One was um, through Lightwork. You did a what they they call contact sheet, right? Contact sheet, really a catalog. A cat- yeah. yeah, and and that that was of your your state fair work. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I'm from born and raised in Syracuse. Yeah. Left at seventeen, but I have family and my parents are gone. But I would always return every year since I guess nineteen seventy six. Uh, oh. I've returned to go to the New York State Fair to photograph. Now, this is something to the chagrin of many folks who know me, like why every year do you find this so fascinating? But 
And it's and are you documenting the changes in the fare, et cetera, et cetera? Well, that's sort of peripheral inevitably in the picture. It comes I mean, through no matter what, right? Yeah, right. Right. but right. but for me, look, it's 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 a funny thing. I growing up in Syracuse, went to the fair with my parents as a child, got my first slingshot. Okay, time passes on. And I got a job, a summer job that paid me, a, you know, for a summer job, a job at the fair for the 10 days that made me a hundred bucks, which was a big deal. Then I would go there, have a few beers with friends when I got a little older. So I am not a, a voy. I'm a voyeur in a sense. I'm watching the fair, but I, it's integral to my growing up. It's fun to watch parents' relationships to children, the children's excitement, children's disappointment, couples getting along. Uh, it's all there and it's all there in a very contained space. And the stuff in the background is sort of surreal and organic and fun to work with. Unfortunately, it's getting a little more less farm, you know, the, the last, the tractor pull isn't there. The stock right, race right. is gone. So it's getting more homogenous and a little less interesting. Mm-hmm. The human endeavor endeavors is still there, but it's much more spread out. And I'll say it's more, it's going to be a, generalization, but a little more, I'm going to use a word that students use all the time, a little more bougie. <laughs> it's just a, it's not quite as rough edged, which was a little more fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I could argue the same thing in New York. I mean, 8th Avenue is not 8th Avenue oh, years yeah. ago. Hell's Kitchen is uh, not the no, Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> no, and high rises don't fit very well into a 35 millimeter negative. Right, right. So, yeah, so no, I go every year, you know, saying that, oh my God, you've been photographing the fair for all these years. I have to tell you, that doesn't mean I go every day to the fair. A typical state fair, at the end of August, finishes up at Labor Day. I would go from as little as four or five days to as mm-hmm. a couple times, 10 days, let's say. But yeah. not, and if you add up the number of days, I probably spent more time in China and South America. Right. But yeah, right. but there are intercals that are fun. And what's interesting, having photographed it over the years, is I approach it when I started this as a kid. Now I'm a parent mm-hmm. and I, I, you sort of look at it through different eyes, different experiences. And I set out each day, basically, I love junky fair food. Mm-hmm. I have my coffees, I wander around with, and there's been no, no mission or agenda other than to like other people yeah. going to the fair, enjoy the day. No, when you think about, um, you know, Andrea Modica doing the Mummers Parade yeah. and Greg Miller doing Ash Wednesday. Yep. 20 years is 20 days. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really, no, it's, it's really, yeah. it's, it's shocking. Yeah. Uh, the way you see the 20 years is in the context sheets and you look at, oh my goodness. Yes. Um, you, you look at now clothes, Syracuse, you look at people, you look at, yeah, yeah. Well, just like what's very interesting, you address your time. And when you time, it's what was wonderful about street photographs or, Photographs describing the real world as opposed to just one's feelings, et cetera. When you look at these pictures, they are like like good wines. They age well because a lot of stuff that's invisible at the moment taken, the clothing, mm-hmm. et cetera, becomes much more apparent. Walker Evans is a perfect example of that. Go to a bookstore in the village and look at pictures from Washington Square in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And you'll, you'll, you'll laugh at the hairdos and the bell bottoms. So that was a little more transparent at the time, and it becomes much more visible with time. Right. And it's, it, that, I think, is a wonderful thing about the fair, the the, the, the change of appearances, the change of clothing. Mm-hmm. You know? So I always tell students that here's how you sort of look at a photograph. You think of it broken down into different elements. You think of it as a stage. Okay, the fair is the stage. How do we know about when I'm putting the frame around on that stage? Well, lighting. How's the lighting? How's it interesting? What's specific about the lighting? Then I'll tell the student, okay, you put some people in this. That's your characters. How is the casting? Did you cast it well? And finally, if it's going to be folks, 
and you're going to give them their union car, how the choreography work? What's so specific about that picture that makes it interesting? Or is it another picture of, you know, to make a good picture, honest to God is easy. Mm-hmm. It's very easy. And anyone who thinks otherwise is fooling himself. <laughs> and you can do so with a phone. To make a great picture, it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. You just can't believe it. I don't, you know, I think William Klein said a great one of his uh, context sheets. Uh, you know, you make 50 of those and you're in the history of the medium. Right. You know, <laughs> and yeah, give or take how much film we all shoot or deal with images. <laughs> The ratio of failure is pretty high. <laughs> I, I always tell my students, photography is mostly failure. It's mostly it is. failure. Yeah. 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 Yep. And yeah. I actually tell them that to make them feel better about it, right? I mean, I tell them, listen, yeah, you missed that one. Oh, you, you screwed up this roll of film. Or, you know, with digital, you know, you, your exposure is wrong. It's out of focus. As, as teachers, we try to get the technical glitches out of the way. So mm-hmm. it's the failure is the content. Were you right. too far back? Did you move in? This lined up, you know, poorly with this thing. So is there a formal order to it? Or is it a formal order that's a little tired? I think yeah. there's a wonderful line by Henry Miller, you know, chaos is an order least understood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gary certainly understood that. So out of this chaotic right. order, well, how do we diffuse it? Through the vocabulary we learn through painting and drawing. It's a vocabulary that Gary's introduced. It's much more from a photography point of view, et cetera. So, uh, you know, there's something wonderful about that. The other, yeah. the other thing, is, it's kind of funny, but I often have to remind students that that house is still there, that that <laughs> park is still there, you know, that landscape. Like if, yeah. it, if it didn't involve... A, a some kind of beautiful moment with a person, it's kind of still there. You can really go back and try it You again. can go back. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, the joy of multiple exposures on a camera. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Whether it be digital or film, it's like, right. boom, boom, you know. <laughs> and you know it from some of the contact sheets of very famous photographs. You oh, yeah. Go, oh, my God, that is not so good. That's horrible. That's, that's genius. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's brilliant. So... Wait. Take advantage of chance. Exactly. Uh, embrace chance. Um, yeah. You, uh, you, you mentioned uh, setting the stage and having the characters and everything. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know, when you, when you pick something like a carnival, when you pick something like a fair, you're picking, you're choosing to photograph in a place that's, that's already a, mm-hmm. you know, a theatrical sea of humanity. Yeah. It is. Very much so. You know, in the same way, you know, I would agree Fifth Avenue is too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a more glamorous stage. It really became apparent during the whole COVID stage, in the very beginning, the city was empty. And I was wandering around fifth all over the place photographing. And there, you really got to examine the stage without the cast. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, was, it was really eerie, quite beautiful. Uh, again, to use the word surreal, it's just, wow, look at this. Right. Unfortunately, I think with a 35 millimeter negative, it's a mismatch. You know, the, the scale, the stage was mm-hmm. like... You, you got a Ben-Hur production here and uh, <laughs> w- without the folks on it. So That's right. <laughs> it, it, it was interesting. I won't say it was great for making pictures. It was yeah. great to make pictures. The pictures weren't great. <laughs> yeah. more, more recently, you had a, a yeah. book published, uh, and we were talking about small book publishers, yeah. uh, called Plain Sight uh, through Wall Bought Press. Mm. And I'm pretty sure it's gone, right? Like it, it's, it is. It's sold out it's immediately. Sold out. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was, that, what was the, the premise of that book? Very interesting. Carl Gunnos went to Fordham, was a student of mine, mm. and then went on to Yale. Carl's a photographer. He is one of the people that runs Transmitter Gallery. Transmitter Gallery, that's Brooklyn. right. Yeah. He teaches all over the place. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, Carl for years really was on me about, hey, I want to do a book of your work. He did some small books of his own, et cetera. And for whatever reason, not out of any arrogance or anything else, I just sort of shrugged shoulders and 
didn't do it. <laughs> the best way to say it. And it's not a judgment about Kyle or I Jason. Was, oh, wait, I was at your show at Transmitter. Yeah. Okay. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> so just remember that. Be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, <laughs> Carl, mm-hmm. Michael, like you, in this talk we're doing, was persistent. And I admired your, your persistence. Uh, anyway, I said, Carl, fine. You and Jason, if you want. And Carl was the, the, the ringleader on this and took the point and said, I said, I live on 84th Street or 86th Street. You want to come up and go through the uh, contact sheets, work prints. You're welcome. You pick it out. And he did. Mm-hmm. I, I said that thinking he wouldn't do it, but he's very, he was rather ambitious. So <laughs> he went up and made scans and, and took, you know, and we both got actively involved and, you know, going, okay, okay. But the book is really, it's really his doing um, or their doing, I should say. And it, to his credit, he picked out the pictures. In a couple of cases, we differed, but overall, I have to say that both the essay and it's 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 Carl's book of my pictures. And, um, and what was the span of the work? What was the scope? Long of period. Work? It really goes all over the place, and not specific to a location. There are pictures from India. There are pictures from Russia. There's pictures from I think from the State Fair. In the span of period, kind of very bad with numbers, probably goes. 20, 30 years. Oh, at least. okay. Yeah. But at it, least. Was it was it about the way you handle people on the stage? Was it about yeah. Yeah, okay. it's, it's, yeah. it's they're all photographs of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then that wasn't me putting my thumb on the scale saying this mm-hmm. is the type of picture I want. I certainly have got a you know number of <laughs> word prints of still lifes of I photograph landscape all the time. Right. Uh, right. You know, if people were to look, I have an Instagram site now. And I if you do look at that site, any picture is black and white is I've taken one of my black and white pictures and photographed it with a phone mm-hmm. and just uploaded it. If you see a color picture, it's just me goofing around with the phone, having fun. It's like yeah, just a reflex, you know, and that's it. So it's not it's neither a portfolio website nor an autobiographical one in a real way. It's kind of a hybrid. When you were working and all mm-hmm. this work that you've been doing and the state fair work. That, that is kind of how you work, right? It's You don't really have a book, a show to this day in mind when you're doing this work, right? Your, your method of working is to make the photographs and then make decisions later, right? Okay. <laughs> That's a very generous way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it in real terms. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, only recently out in Santa Fe in the Aurelia Gallery. Oh, yeah. I was going to bring that up I, next. Yeah. No, okay. I have an ex. It's up right now, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's of early work. That I've certainly have had other exhibits, some in commercial galleries and institutional ones. And the difference between institutional and commercial is considerable in terms of the variables that come into play, in terms of how the pictures are priced, what are they additioned, et cetera. The business side of photography, I have completely, and I have to say very fortunately, and it's actually to Fordham's credit, I've been completely indifferent to or oblivious to, or <laughs> to not make a heroic artist statement, maybe just lazy about, honestly. Uh, and this show is waking up, oh, how many prints do you have? What edition? I don't do editions, you know, but I just make pictures. I, you know, literally it's back looking out the window and mm-hmm. then looking out the window in reverse when you get to look at the picture going, wow. And then the translation from the three-dimensional world of color and scale and size in this little image, was the window shrunk down? And that was my windows and my specificity about window. That was a joy. So that has been the working motivation, let's call it. Now I'm in this process and I won't jinx anything, but I do want to make some books. Uh, there's mm-hmm. some obli- 
I'm not saying obligation, slightly obligation, but some opportunities that are sort of on the table. State Fair is one. I've traveled a lot, actually. And there's some pictures from all over the place. And I don't want it necessarily to be a, a travelogue book. Uh, look where I got to go. But I, I think it's got to be about just carrying on a life from beginning to end. And so the locations, yes, like the location at the fair will be a backdrop, but they will not be necessarily the, they'll be the nominal subject, but hopefully mm-hmm. not the subject. Right. So the business end, kind of late my years. Uh, well, that's not a coincidence, by the way. And I speak from personal experience. I'm I'm going back and scanning work right now from 25 years ago. Yeah. And I think age has something to do with that. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think I think I feel the same way. Like it's time to get my shit together. That, that's true. Okay, that is really the answer. And uh, yeah, it's it's time to look at it. it's a photographer exhibitions. I'm in New York, so it's wonderful. I get to see some great shows, and I love it. But I think in the end, I learned about photography. Yes, through some shows, but through books. So my love of looking at a photo book, seeing the sequence. And I also think the, the photo book is a wonderful equalizer against the huge showmanship that's going on in galleries right now. You look at a print, you see it sequence, they're all roughly around the same size. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's it's like a wonderful novel in a sense. And it's I love the joy of that. So I'm at that stage that... Yes, I'm not retiring. No, I'm not retiring from taking pictures. <laughs> no, and it doesn't mean it's the end. At, <laughs> it's not the end. And uh, Lee gets up every morning still and works in the dark gets room. Gets in that dark he, room. Yeah, so there's a role yep. model. And uh, <laughs> so, yes, there are some book projects in mind that are more than just in mind. Now they're real. And we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about that show at Aurelia. Yeah. That was exciting. Yeah. You just it actually was. came back from, from that. I did. They're in uh, Santa no, was, Fe, New Mexico. Yeah. Santa Fe was fantastic. The light, you know why artists move out. The light oh, is yeah. just exquisite. It's too exquisite. good. <laughs> yeah. Santa Fe is a very pretty town. It uh, is. Yeah. The gallery did a wonderful job. It's a beautiful space. Aurelia, you can look it up, A-U-R-E-L-I-A gallery. The show's online, so you're welcome to take a look at the mm-hmm. prints. Uh, you know, you're like, like like yourself. I'm so used to making the pictures, seeing them floating in water or coming out of a printer and not too much longer, they're going in a box and eventually yeah. surface again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to see things given uh, the presentation of a fine mat and frame, certainly it's not the first time, but it's mm-hmm. nice to see that. And, and really the, the sequence was carefully thought out. And because of its location in Santa Fe, Marius who was, and Christy both run the gallery, said, let's do something with your early work, and that being Latin America. So we the pictures are from Mexico, Central America, South America. That's half the show. And there's only, like, I think, 30, 32 or 34 prints in it. And the other half, I didn't want to make it exclusively so. So to keep that travel and early work sort of theme going, and the rest of the pictures are from all over the place, not from the fair, et cetera, not from New York, but they're from India, China, Russia, and I welcome and uh, anyone, please take a look and uh, thank you for checking them out. Um, yeah. I stand by, I really do stand by the picture. I'm quite confident of they're, they're good. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's Marius Morisano. Yes. Marisano. Yeah. Yep. And Christy, I don't know Christy. Styles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. they started no, that gallery. A, yeah. No, it's a, the show that I, I'm, I'm following in big footsteps. Lois Connor was the last show. There. Mm. Okay. And her pictures too were specific to New, New Mexico and Arizona and things like that. But her show was a wonderful show. 
Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I know. I um, I'm really dying to get back to Santa Fe. That's uh, it is an incredible place. And yeah. Well, you know, it, it wet my. I had the opportunity to travel a lot outside the country. I typically teach in Rome in the summer, and just for a month again through Fordham, and but having gone take just taking the rental car from Albuquerque up to Santa Fe, mm -hmm. and then later some day trips out of Santa Fe into the mountains, and I was like. I need to get on the road. Yeah. You know, uh, it's so the, the show will come down at the end of the month. It comes down October 24th. And after that, the prints will stay out there. But I think instead of having them ship them back, I may try and finagle a flight out to Albuquerque, get a rental car mm. and drive through Texas in the South. I don't know Mississippi, mm -hmm. Alabama, all that. And it has to be the winter, but it'd be cool and not cold. And, I, I'm looking forward to doing that. Yes. Yeah. I, I, you know, great photographs have come out of there, great photographers as well. And we certainly know great literature. So yep. that's sort of missing from my uh, travel resume. Let's yeah. Call it. Well, can we, can we give a <laughs> so, little teaser and, uh, and say that maybe that work might appear here in New Jersey uh, next year? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the next the, the, the work that's out there now. The, the early work, we'll have to talk about it. Love mm -hmm. to, to, come yeah because yeah. the show's framed and ready to go and yeah. we'll bring it so no, it'll be uh, wonderful yeah. and for listeners I'm who know yes well thank you is uh, i'm talking about of course the jkc gallery which i i run yeah Yay. no michael the invite is <laughs> the invite stands and i want to thank you and i feel honored oh so. no believe me I, so am i and uh, i can't can't wait for it um but we'll do it yeah so why don't we wrap up uh yeah. talking a little bit more about teaching uh, mm -hmm. And you you actually mentioned some some great things about talking to your students and all, but I I get the sense that one of the priorities in your life and in your life in photography has always been finding that balance mm -hmm. to work and photograph, teach and photograph, be a super and go to Yale, right? <laughs> uh, drive a taxi, uh, yes. which we didn't even mention, but I know you drove a taxi for a while, or we maybe we mentioned, but I remember. Yeah. But anyway, I know you mentioned it to me once before. And that was, it's all been in kind of support of being able to work, being able to photograph. Absolutely. I, you know, there's multiple ways to make a living. I mm -hmm. don't have a trust fund, et cetera. So there, <laughs> there has to be a day job of some sort. Yeah. And I've sampled a number of them, you know, like I said, the taxi, building a soup is a building. And then teaching sort of fell into my lap um, with that opportunity given to me by Bill Conlon, Lee Rubenfein. And from there, it got expanded. I can tell you all the different people that helped me at Hunter and Pratt and SVA mm -hmm. and working with Paul McDonough and some great people. Oh, Paul. And, yeah. 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 yeah um, that became what I found an enjoyable means to an end. Um, I liked it. I like being around young people, I like their ambitions, their energy. And I'm not being facetious when I say, you know, retire, I think I need to get a job. And I think the, the, the way this has been made interesting, and, and this is always sort of funny, but I always start the first class with some give or take, how are you doing, blah, blah, blah. Get people used to get out of their shell and they're going to have to talk in class. And I point out to the students, the point of this class, yes, or the title of this class is, yes, it's photography one, it's photography two, okay? It has to have something that fits in the catalog. But the real, and I've learned this from Richard Benson, the real subject of the class is much bigger than that. It's their life. It is their life. All I can do is teach the technical skills in a contemporary and historical context of these pictures you're going to make exist in and no more than that. And I say that for two reasons. One, that's the truth. But two, the class turns out to be boring. Mm, I think they need to get a better life. <laughs> it's not my fault. That's one. And also, I think one of the joys of teaching, and I think to keep it so it is 
a, a enjoyable day job is to, I tell the students the point of class is to make it interesting for me. You're mm. my spies out in the world. What, 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 you know, they bring in pictures. Of, it's like, it's like a reporting class from all over. Oh, that's interesting. It, mm-hmm. it really, it's like showing New York to someone for the first time. It, it really restores your wonder and interest in the medium itself, the surprise that it can happen. Yeah. So it's been great. So it, yes. Now saying all that, let's say, you know, good fortune and I don't buy lottery tickets, but I did. And suddenly I did and boom, there's some millions in my bank account. I could tell everyone who's listening, there might be a vacancy next year. There's <laughs> <laughs> an opening, not a vacancy, an opening. So everybody hope for Joe to win the lottery. <laughs> <Yeah>. and uh... <laughs> Buy his ticket, put his name in. I will say the great thing about the places I've taught, Hunter and mm-hmm. Brad, and in Fordham in particular, because of longevity, is they've honored not only work outside the university, but work mm-hmm. in the university, the teaching, the fundamental thing of teaching. Right. And I think that's not necessary. And I think it's getting a little worse. It's, it's you know, I, hence the preponderance of meaningless shows, meaningless papers, meaningless symposium, et cetera. There's a little too much of careerism as opposed mm. to looking at it you know, let the wine develop, you mm. know, that's, yeah, yeah, no, it's, you can see it. If you, yeah. it's, you let them go. Okay. I get that. There's a lot of CV artists out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, what I liked about what you said though, about students presenting uh, the lives in their work. And if it's not interesting, maybe, you know, they need more interesting lives. But I think that's a kind of a humorous way to, to also say, you're trying to communicate something to me. And so we can have a conversation about it. We can find something meaningful to talk about because we're looking at your work. Uh, and it is in the end, a form of communication that we're talking about, right? Completely, mm-hmm. completely. I mean, sometimes there's intimacies to the communicator. You're talking about their mother, their father, mm-hmm. boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, in the end they have to, the tricky part in the school situation is especially a summer class or, in, or intercession classes, it's rather sped up. So sure. to really teach someone and to understand the difference of, the experience of making the picture and what's really there as a picture is a little complicated, you oh, know, because yeah. they may remember how they love being not with their friend that day, or mm-hmm. it's the first time they saw their parents for two years when they went back to China. And oh my God, you know, well, that's wonderful. Or, or that's their dog. Okay. I once had a student that was so enamored with their child and rightfully so that brought in pictures week after week it was an adult, an adult student. And finally, I had to say, it's not an easy thing to say, but the pictures are not so interesting. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you just bring your child in? <laughs> you know, in other words, you got to get back to the interest has got to be there. But it, the interest that you originally had as the photographer has to resonate in the image to pull the people in. Right. And I often tell students, okay, to have something interesting, if you make a cloudy or really dramatic picture, or a very busy picture, the opening act has to be enough to pull someone in. And then like good classical music, it's got to have its little subtleties to reward a longer look. Otherwise, it's nice, but it's a quickly forgotten pop song, mm-hmm. you know, and that's it. So, yeah. you know, class after class, group yep. after group, <laughs> they come and go and <laughs> They stay young and uh, <laughs> I, I pretend to be younger. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thanks for doing yeah, thank this. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll talk more about uh, your work uh, being in the gallery. And uh, I'll see you soon, Joe. Thank you. Well, Michael, A, 
I, again, as I said earlier, thank you for your persistence. This has been a fun <laughs> thing, fun experience. For those of you who have been patient enough to listen to this, again, I'll take one more sip of my espresso and do hope that in some of what I said makes sense. And I wish all of you a wonderful day. And uh, as I can say is keep looking out the window and figure out a way to do it. Nice. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Cheers, Michael. You too. Real Photo Show with Michael Chauvin Dalton is a production of Real Photo Show, which you can listen to on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>